Hey ladies, how you doing out there, you gangsters and you senior citizens of the world? I just want to let you know that I'm here. I'm starting my new podcast with Anchor. It's free, so I thought, why not give it a try? There's creation tools there that allow you to edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute my podcast, so it will be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, at home. During the coronavirus epidemic, this is where we're going to be. So, it's a mandatory call to action that we... Take anchor. Men and women who are here. Maya and students. Doctor. Represent the only person in their family who has actually entered an institution of higher education. That's that's shred from a 19th century folk song. Spiritual gospel. Was of course inspired by a statement in Genesis. We're told in Genesis that rain persisted so unrelentingly that people thought it would never cease. And in an attempt to put the people at ease, God put a rainbow in the sky. That's in Genesis. However, in the 19th century, some African-American nurses, a poet, probably a woman, I'm not sure about that, said, no, God didn't just put the rainbow in the sky. We know that suns and moons and stars and all sorts of illuminations are always in the firmament. However, rain can so persist and clouds can so persist, can so loom, that the viewer cannot see any possibility of hope. Can you imagine 50 years ago? Can you imagine 100 years ago? My great-grandparents would never have imagined that I would be a speaker at Wake Forest. Then, in fact, I would be the Reynolds professor at Wake Forest. That I would have, uh, that I would teach in so many disciplines. I had been a, a mute from the time I was seven until I was 13. I didn't speak except to my brother. And uh, my grandmother used to braid my hair the way old black ladies still braid girls' hair. I'd sit on the floor on a pillow. She'd sit down. And then she'd bend her hand like that and put, put it behind my neck because my hair was very big and very curly. And she'd put her hand like that. And she'd say, Sister, so she wouldn't break my neck by accident. She'd say, So, Sister, Mama don't care. These people say you must be an idiot. You must be a moron because you can't talk. Sister, Mama don't care. Mama know when you and the good Lord get ready, you're going to be a teacher. Sister, you're going to teach all over this world. I used to sit there and think, this poor ignorant woman. (laughs) She knew I would never speak. She was one of my rainbows. Each of us has a rainbow in the clouds. And the fantastic, most wonderful piece of news is each of us has the possibility of being a rainbow in somebody's cloud. Isn't that amazing? Somebody you don't even know complexion might not jive with yours, who, who may eat different foods or the same foods prepared differently, 
somebody, if you simply say, morning, there are people who, you don't know, that person may have just hung up the phone from uh, having a secretary or a nurse saying, uh, Miss Jones, I'm sorry to tell you, but the doctor, I mean, the radiologists are not all that happy with your x-rays. And when you come back in, you have no idea. You've just spoken to someone. Yeah. And for a second, you've lifted somebody's spirit. The person may say, oh, who is that? Does she make him feel door? worse? She go to my church. Who is that? But for a minute, you've lifted somebody's spirit. You may have, she may have just hung up, hung up the phone from someone saying, listen, we're downsizing. And uh, actually, your, your job yeah. has been deleted and... Uh, we need you to come in and get your belongings. Yeah, you say, Hi, morning. For a moment, you've lifted up someone. There's a statement I would like you to remember. The statement is, Homo sum, humani nil ame alienum puto. Encyclopedia under Terence with one R, you will find beside his name in italics Terentius Affer. He was an African, a slave, sold to a Roman senator. He was freed by that senator and became the most popular playwright in Rome. Five of his plays in that one statement have come down to us from 154 BC. Imagine it. Just imagine it. You, born free. You are able to walk, able to talk, able to see. My goodness, able to hear. Just look at you. How much you have. How much you will give somebody. It's a wonderful. I couldn't say no when it was even suggested that I came over to Wake Forest and, and talk to you. I was hoping to see people lined up all down the street. Really? But then never mind. Tell your friends what I said, please. I am a human being. Nothing human can be alien to me. It's a liberating phrase. And so is the idea that you have the possibility and the probability of being a rainbow in somebody's cloud. After I had written the inaugural poem for President Clinton, United Nations people called and asked me, wrote to me and asked me if I would write a, a poem for the 50th anniversary of United Nations. It was amazing. I, I trembled to hear that because, uh, and then would I come to California, to San Francisco, and deliver the poem? I, I, I remembered being 16 years old when when uh, United Nations was formed. 16. I was six foot tall. I was black even then. <laughs> and I, I would, I read in the newspapers, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Examiner, and the Call Bulletin. I read that uh, simultaneous translators could be paid $150 a week 
nor the gardens of Babylon hanging as eternal beauty in our collective memory. Not the Grand Canyon kindled into delicious color by western sunsets, nor the Danube flowing its blue soul into Europe. Not the sacred peak of Mount Fuji stretching to the rising sun. Neither Father Amazon nor Mother Mississippi, who without favor nurture all creatures in their depth and on their shores. Those are not the only wonders of the world. When we come to it, we, this people, on this minuscule and kithless globe, who reach daily for the balm, the blade, the dagger, yet who petition in the dark for tokens of peace. We, this people, on this moat of matter, in whose mouths abide cankerous words which challenge our very existence, yet out of those same mouths can come songs of such exquisite sweetness that the heart falters in its labor and the back is quieted into all. We, this people, on this small and drifting planet whose hands can strike with such abandon that in a twinkling life is stripped from the living, yet those same hands can touch with such healing, irresistible tenderness that the haughty neck is happy to bow, the proud back is glad to bend. Of such chaos, of such contradiction, we learn we are neither devils nor divines. When we come to it, we, this people, on this wayward floating body, created on this earth, of this earth, have the power to fashion for this earth a climate where every man and every woman can live freely without sanctimonious piety, without crippling fear. When we come to it, we must confess that we, are the possible. We are the miraculous. We, here at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, on October the 18th, we are the true wonder of this world. That is when and only when we come to it. When it looks like the sun will not shine anymore. When one of us or two of us, or all of us can say, I am willing to be a rainbow in somebody's cloud. Thank you. I know why the caged bird sings. 
this chalice steals. I know what the cage bird feels. Oh Lord, I want two wings to guide my mind. Oh Lord, I want two wings to hold my back. Oh Lord, I want two wings to watch me watch. Oh Lord, I want so the world won't do me no harm. I know why the cage bird sings when its wings are bruised and its bosom sore it beats its bars and would be free it's not a carol of joy or glee but a prayer that it sends from its heart's deep core but a plea that upward to heaven it flings I know why the caged bird sings the caged bird jumps on the back of the wind. A free bird jumps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the currents end and, and dips its wings in the bright sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a cage bird stands on the grave of dreams, often shouting a nightmare scream. Its wings are clipped. Its feet are tied, so it opens its mouth to sing. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but long far still. And its song is heard on a distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. A free bird thinks of another breeze and the trade winds sobs through the sighing trees and fat worms waiting on a dawn bright lawn and it names the sky its own but a cage bird stands on the grave of dreams shadows shouting a nightmare scream its wings are clipped its feet are tied so it opens its mouth to sing the cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but long far still. And its voice is heard on the distant hill, throughout the lion, throughout the air, across the oceans, across centuries, across centuries, across, in fact, continents, and across ignorance, across heat. Because the cage bird sings of freedom. Oh Lord, I want two wings to guide my feet. Oh Lord, I want two wings to guide my mind. Oh Lord, I want two wings to hold my arms so the world won't do me no harm. such a good time down in Texas. Well, we appreciate you being here. Whoa! I love you so much. Thank you, Dr. Maya Angelou. I have...
with his penetrating presentation of countering Dr. Jawanda Jafuku. Black boys. There's no topic that concerns me more than the one on the conspiracy to destroy black boys. And the reason is when our little boys are in preschool and primary grades, they're very innocent and very enthusiastic about learning. But something happens to that, and we need to find out what that is. My younger son is on the cover of this particular book, and I would like for him to grow up to be a man. Like many of you already told me, that you have sons and male students as well. Now, there's two parts of the conspiracy, volume one, and this is volume two. In volume one, we raise four questions. First question is, when did the conspiracy start? Who is against black boys? Why is there a conspiracy against them? And what exactly is the conspiracy? That's in volume one. In volume two, we look at the relationships between mothers and their sons. That must be studied. We also must look at female teachers and black male students. That must also be studied. We must look at some case studies. In other words, many of us are doing a very good job developing black boys to be men. What is it that some of us are doing that others are not doing? And then last but not least, a program called the Rites of Passage in the Manhood. See, it used to be we knew when black boys became men. But now many of us don't know when we're men. It's how much reefer we smoke, how much wine we drink, how many babies we make. Until black men spell it out to black boys what it means to be a man, this conspiracy will continue. But let's go back to volume one. When did it start? And as we begin to look at that, I want to also share with you why we call it a conspiracy to destroy black boys. You see, contrary to belief at birth, there are more black boys born in the world than there are girls. It's close, but it's 1.03 black boys born in the world to 1.0 black girls. Hear me clearly. At birth, black boys outnumber black girls 1.03 to 1.0. A brief 18 years later, it is now 1.0 available, and that's the key word, available black men, to 1.8 available black women. Almost two adult women for every one adult man. Now the only question that should be going through your minds right now is what happened? We keep raising the wrong question. We keep asking, why do black men hang on corners? Why do black men lack direction? When you ask this question, you answer the question 18 to 30 years too late. It is not a conspiracy to destroy black men. It's a conspiracy to destroy black boys. If you destroy them as a boy, you'll never become a man. And I can look around the room and tell you know where are they. If they are not available to black women, where are they? Call the road. In jail, there are 329,000 brothers in prison right now. One of every four brothers will go to prison. Where else? Or, or death, death. There's numerous ways that we die. There's homicide, suicide, drugs, war, high blood pressure, and the leading killer among black men, lung cancer. Our love for cigarettes, especially cool. Smoke them all day long, die the exact same way. Cool. Where else? We have prison, death. What else to make us unavailable to black women? Yes, homosexuality. Uh, as you said earlier, one of every nine men in this country are homosexual. Where else? Yes. Hospitalized, institutionalized. Okay, so institutionalization, and there's not only in terms of hospitals, but also mental institutions, and of course, when they get released, many times being homeless. There's still one other large popular area. Thimby? They marry white women. Okay, interracial marriages. Now I want to pause there for a moment. Because Please. you would think if anybody talk, brother, is going to marry outside the race, it would be black women. You got two black women for every one black man. But as Thimby pointed out, it's exactly the opposite. There are 164,000 interracial marriages, of which 116,000 are brothers. That means 48,000 sisters. It's almost a two-to-one ratio of black men to black women marrying outside the race. But remember, as you said in the earlier workshop, if the definition of beauty is light skin, long hair, and blue eyes, 
Why stop over Renee, the light-skinned sister? Why not get you the real thing? That's some serious problems here. And then black men tell me, I can't find a black woman to understand me. You mean out of 20 million black women, you can't find one to understand you? You don't need a white woman, you need a psychiatrist. <laughs> but that's another workshop on relationships. But I just want to share with you, we got some very serious problems. But to tease this audience, black women are tired of being by themselves. And in the earlier issue of Essence Magazine, the article said, guess who's coming to dinner now? Black women are tired of being by themselves. In other words, brothers, you can't have it both ways. You can't have two black women to choose from and still marry a white woman. You can't have it both ways. Black women are tired of being by themselves. Now, that's with regards to the stats, why we wrote the book, because we saw the shortage of black men. To be continued like a motherfucker. This is something I've been talking about forever, and people want to say that I'm racist or I'm crazy, but I don't think so. I find it very offensive when a black man chooses another woman of another race over a black woman. It says to me that he is denying him, him his own self. So, be it as it may, love or whatever your reasons are, when this is all over with, there won't be any black people. And that's their plan. 